Well, good morning, everybody. I have to say it's my privilege to share the platform with my son, the pastor. And uh, it's a great joy to come and share what I believe God has uh, burdened my heart with personally. And I'm uh, delighted that the church leaders ha- have uh, shared the, the vision of, of this opportunity that has presented itself to us. And so this morning I want to talk about life seminars. It's uh, Neil will be putting to the, the bones. To, I'll do the introduction. Neil will be putting the bones, the flesh to the bones in what it's going to look like for us as a church family as we begin to unravel this uh, program through the springtime. But for all of us who are, are Christians, we have a responsibility as the children of God and as the disciples of Jesus Christ, to participate in the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. We all, I'm sure, know what the Great Commission is. It's the final words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he ascended back into heaven. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And if you remember, whenever I'd done a series on the Great Commission, you'll remember that one of the things that we learned was that this was not a recommendation for a few people, but it was actually a commandment to all of us who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. But one of the things that I have learned on my personal journey is that the Great Commission must come from Uh, the foundation of the great commandment. Because the the great commandment is foundational. It's the platform that launches us to participate in the great commission. The great commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That has to be our foundation. And from that foundation, we can launch into the great commission of being obedient to what God has asked us to do. And so this morning, I want us to seriously consider our participation in obedience to the great commandment, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving our neighbor as as ourselves, and how obedience to that commandment propels us or launches us into obedience of the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Now I'm aware that this uh, program that we're presenting this morning is being recorded on SoundCloud and I welcome all those that are listening by SoundCloud this morning and I want to encourage you that if God speaks to your heart this morning that you will come and get involved in this vision that God has given us to reach out to our friends and our neighbors and our community. I want to pray right at the outset. But before I pray, I want to ask you a few questions. Are you prepared to invest some time into the transformation of your community? I don't want you to answer out loud. I want you to answer questions into your own heart. How much are you prepared to invest in seeing transformation come to your community? I know you've many of you have family members that are still outside the kingdom of God. I want to ask you a question. As we come into a new year, how much are you prepared to invest 
at a personal level to see transformation in the lives of your family members. Because it's not going to happen automatically. It's going to happen as we, as the children of God, be obedient to what God has called us to do. There's no shortcut. All the people around drop in know that if there's a shortcut to be found, we would have found it. But I want to tell you, in bringing transformation to your community, in bringing transformation to your family, in seeing transformation in our nation, there is no shortcut. It comes through obedience to the great commandment and allowing that to be the launching pad to being used for the Great Commission. And so let us, as we consider those, our answers to those questions, because I'm sure if I was to ask you this morning, who would like to see transformation in their families? Who would like to see transformation in their communities? Who would like to see our nation transformed by the power of God? We all want to see it. But I'm asking you this morning, are you prepared to pay a price? Are you prepared to make an investment of your time, your talents, your resources into seeing transformation come? So let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. I know my time's limited. I'm only doing the introduction this morning. So, But let's, let's commit this entire vision, the entire program into God's hands that he might bless us. Amen. Father, we come into your presence this morning to give you thanks and praise for who you are. We acknowledge you as Almighty God. You're a faithful God. We love you this morning. And we want you by your Spirit to impress upon our hearts what it really means to love you with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's our desire, Lord. But it seems that we cannot do it in our own strength. We need your Spirit to enable us to love you in this way. Help us to understand that loving you means that we love our neighbor. They go together. They're inseparable. And so, Lord, we are committing ourselves to you as a church family this morning to make an investment of our time, our talents, and our resources to see in your kingdom come to our families, our communities, and our nation. We long that you will come in power. So help us to fulfill the role that you have for us in seeing transformation in our families, our community, and our nation. We need you to come, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we all know And especially it's emphasized to us at Christmas season that Jesus Christ is the hope of our world. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it in all its fullness. And there are so many people in our world today, you you meet them every day, I meet them every day. And they're searching for a life that is fulfilling, a life that is meaningful. And we, as the children of God, know the answer to the human, the need of the human heart. It is Jesus Christ. And so for me personally, one of the prayers that I've been praying in my daily devotions is that God will give us creativity in how we can bring people to Jesus. Or how we can make Jesus known in our 
culture and in the environment in which we live. And I think that's one of the things about this uh, program that we are going to be running in the springtime. It's another way, it's a creative way of trying to make people interested in hearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bringing the hope of the gospel to them in their situation that is relevant to them in their situation. Uh, one of the stories that I love in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, is the four friends who wanted to get their friend who was sick to Jesus. And here's one of the greatest illustrations of creativity that you'll read about in the Bible. Because they were so determined that they needed to get to Jesus that they actually climbed up on the roof and removed some of the, of the, the roof tiles and let their friend down through the roof on a rope so that he would get to Jesus. And that tells me that there is creativity in the minds of people and how we might get them to Jesus. I don't know if we're as determined as those four friends. I sometimes challenge my own heart. How determined am I to get people who need Jesus into his presence? Is that, a, is that something that I'm determined to see through in my life? Is it something that I am going to uh, invest my time and resources into seeing? Or is it something that just crosses my mind from time to time? And so this morning, I want to encourage you, as we move forward in this program, that we're, we're going to be creative. Allow our minds to be creative in how we're going to connect with people. And make the gospel, the good news, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ relevant to them in their situation. Many of you know that during last year, Carolyn and I really felt that God was leading us more into a a father-mother figure within the ministry and particularly to our international partners. And so in in the springtime last year, we went to visit some of our partners. One of the countries that we visited was the country of Albania. For you that don't know, Albania was one of the most closed countries under the communist era. They reckoned at the fall of communism, there was maybe only six or eight Christians in the entire country. But today, there is a total freedom, total openness to share the gospel. And we partner with two different churches, two pastors in Albania, one in the capital city of Tirana, one in the city of Fear. In the city of Fear uh, is... Pastor Walter and his wife Arta. And so last springtime we had the privilege to go and share just a few days of fellowship with them to encourage them, to bless them. And we had a wonderful time. But one of the things that we shared, Walter shared with us, was to ask us if we had ever heard of this life seminars. He wanted to know because he had implemented it in the program in his church. And it had totally transformed his church. And he was excited about it because it was a program that they were going to implement twice per year. And it involved everybody. It motivated the entire church to participate and to be involved. And uh, again, I'm trying to do introduction, not tell you the program. But Neil's come to, to tell you how the program will look for us as a church family. But Walter went on to tell me about another friend of his, and it's a guy that I know well. I've visited his church, preached in his church before. 
But this brother had become very, very discouraged and disillusioned as a pastor. His congregation, many people have left Albania and left particularly rural areas of Albania either to travel to other countries or travel to the city to find work. And so in the small towns and villages, many people have left and this brother's church was, was dwindling. It was down to 15 or 20 people. And uh, he was very discouraged, felt that he was going to give up pastoring the church and go and find some other job. And Walter suggested to him that, about this life, life seminar. And uh, so Walter, he says, well, I don't know anything about it. Will you come and help me? And so Walter went and helped the church. And as a result of that, 80 people in the space of five weeks were added to the church. So the church went from 15 to 20 people to 95 to 100 people. That's a serious growth rate in any uh, circumstances. It presents its own problems, but that is the potential that comes with this uh, program that we are thinking of implementing in our church in the springtime. Whenever I heard about this, Walter was very keen that I connected with the uh, founder, director of Life Seminars, which is based in Switzerland. And so I connected with them and was invited to come to an international training weekend in Switzerland. So Carolyn and I traveled to Zurich just at the end of the summer, and we went through a weekend of training uh, in the beautiful city of Zurich but with the intention of understanding better how this program could be implemented in our own local church. So we have, we have learned many, many different things, but I want to just share one of them this morning. So uh, if Anastasia can put my picture up, Neil's going to be showing some pictures. One of the things about classical evangelicalism is that our, our goal has always been to get people to cross the line from unbelief to believing. And so that, for a lot of people with a traditional evangelical mindset, is their main focus, is to get people to, to cross the line from unbelief to believing. But one of the things that I learned in the, at the International Training Day that is a thing called the angle scale. And here it is. I don't know if, uh, probably if your eyesight's like men, you can't see that. I can see it up here, but I couldn't see it down there. Ian, what about you? Can you read any of that? <laughs> <laughs> even with glasses so here we have a 13 point scale which tells us something about the progress of bringing someone from a total non-participation in Christian life to becoming a spiritually mature disciple of Jesus Christ so let me run through them religious openness without actual interest so at the bottom line here you have people that have no, really no interest in Christianity, no interest in God, no interest in hearing about God, but because of friendship with you, they may just be open for you to share something. Then moving up is a lack of knowledge of Christianity. Then moving up is a general knowledge of Christianity. Distinction between Christianity and the gospel. In other words, a lot of people know about Christianity as a culture or as a tradition, but they actually don't know that God desires relationship with man. And so that's the distinction between Christianity and the gospel. Then it's understanding the gospel, personal concern, challenge to make a decision, deciding to hand your life over to Christ, 
rebirth and assurance of salvation, confirmation of the, your decision, integration into a church, growth in discipleship, and continued development to spiritual maturity. So that's 13 stages in a scale. And so for us, or for the evangelical church in general, a lot of our time has been spent on these two bars only. It's getting people to come to a place of decision and cross the line to becoming a Christian. And so a lot of our emphasis is put into those two bars on the scale. And so for me, it was a, it was a revelation to understand that when we understand this angle scale and it's adapted to our evangelical mindset, then we lose this idea that evangelical outreaches, in whatever form they may take, are a failure. So there's no such thing as this project being a failure. If we participate in it, if we get involved in it, then there is no such thing as a failure. Because if, if you even find somebody that has absolutely no religious openness or without any actual interest in Christianity and get them to understand the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is a mo- very positive move from minus eight to minus four. And maybe that's all your part is in, the sto- in someone's story. Maybe someone else will come along at a later stage and move them on the journey to, making a dis- challenge, to challenging them to make a decision to receive Jesus Christ. But this is a 13-step scale, which should be an encouragement to all of us that we cannot, this program cannot fail if we take it seriously. Now, to take it seriously, it's, in go- it's going to involve a serious commitment to prayer. It's going to involve you hearing and being led by the voice of God, to the people that you're going to reach out to, specifically. One of the things that I like about this program is that it's simple and it's relational. So it's not something that we do for a one-week program or a special event. It's not going to be event-based. It's not going to be something that we work at for one or two weeks and then we forget about it and do it again next year. This is going to be a relationship thing. It's going to involve commitment. It's going to take time. It's going to be a sacrifice on behalf of your, your time, your talents, and your resources to seeing this accomplished. But we, my prayer is that by the end of the program that we are going to see transformation. Amen. But it's, it's, going, to be an, it's going to take your participation. It's going to take all of us getting together to get behind the vision. One of the first things that whenever you go to the international training is that the first step, there's to be 10 steps before we get to this day where we present the vision to the church. But one of the first things was to, to go back and share the vision with your church leaders. And so for me, that was an exciting thing that I could come back and share with our church leaders who are all on board to see this program implemented in our church family. And we believe that we're going to see transformation as we begin to unpack what God wants to do among us. So the big thing for us in this Advent season is how are we going to make Jesus known? How are we going to present Jesus in a relevant way to people that are in situations of brokenness, situations of pain, 
situations of loneliness, isolation, experienced abuse, all sorts of things. Those are the people that are you're mingling with every day. And we have the source of hope. We have the source of life. And we need to be creative in how we're going to make that life and hope relevant to them in their situations. So that's just a little bit of an introduction. Neil's going to come and put some flesh on those bones to say, tell you how it's going to look. And uh, let's believe that God's going to do amazing things as we work together on this program. Amen. Good stuff. Thanks, Dad. Uh, opened up my, uh, my my notebook. I got a new notebook. Finished Judges, so I got myself a new notebook as a celebration. Uh, so I was, I was looking at my, I was looking at it this morning, re- reading over it this morning. There was two yellow stars at either side, and Jada came over to me and goes, "Daddy, do you like my decorations I put in your notes?" It was so boring; it needed some decorations. So that's what I'm sitting looking at here. Um, one of the things, actually. Uh, just in the, just in this idea of invitation, inviting people, I uh, like I I need this. I need to be doing this as much as anybody. I uh, I'm such a chicken when it comes to inviting people. I really am. So much that even even Judith, Judith just was inviting everybody. Judith was inviting her world uh, to the Carl service for to the Carl service on Thursday, and uh, so this whole thing is not a necessarily a plug for the Carl service, but just giving you an idea that Judith invited all of these, so, so many of Caleb and Eli's friends, we've just, uh, friends, parents, we've really got to know, feels like a real acceleration of friendship over the last number of months, and uh, and so as me, I'm just, as I say, I'm a chicken, so cautious, Judith, don't invite them yet, don't invite them yet, let's just, let's just keep on testing the water, and Judith just began inviting them, and message by message came back saying, Thank you so much for inviting me. We'd love to be there. And uh, there's some people that couldn't make it. It was like short notice. They were working or whatever. But nobody, nobody wrote back saying no. And I, li- I, I, I was so challenged by that. I, um, I almost live in that place of uh, just a fear of man, just, f- just a fear of just invitation because I'm so afraid that somebody will say no. And the reality is that's the worst that can happen. That's the worst thing they can possibly say is no. And um, and so I've been I've been challenged by that uh, by that today. Don't tell Judith that she'll, she'll talk about it all week. Um, so life life uh, Dad's introduced it, and I, I'm going to put a wee bit uh, a wee bit of flesh to the bones. Um, but really, more than anything, we just wanted we just wanted to we just wanted to make a mark. We just wanted to make a, make a point this morning, just before we get to. To, to Christmas and to the carol service and all of that before we get to the new year, the celebration of all of that, a wee bit of vision talk on the first Sunday of the new year. Before we get into the busyness of all of that, we wanted to say, church, this is what we want to do. We want to let you know. We want you to, to come along on this journey with us. We uh, are really keen to do that. Dad's mentioned the, the, the traditional ways of evangelism. And, uh, and uh, the, none of this is to, is to dismiss any of the things that, that have taken place and continue to take place. Events-based evangelism, street 
based evangelism, handing out tracts, all of that. Uh, that is not to dismiss any of that. But the reality is, the truth is, that at, at, at the core of who we are, the key value in this place is that we would be relational. And, uh, and so, to, so, to, so to be true to our values, to be true to who we are, we want, we want more than just the, the, the next event. We want more than just, than just handing out tracts. Again, nothing wrong with any of that. But because we're relational, we think there's, there's a greater responsibility. And so in the new year, we're, we are starting this series, Who Is My Neighbor? mentioned it last Sunday. And uh, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to it. I, uh, I've been going through so much of what I want to share. We're going we're gonna share to the, share the load. Didn't really share the load too much in the book of Judges. But we're going to share the load in, 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 the next, in this next series. But so much of what I want to say, so much of what I think God wants to, wants to say through, through me in the new year around, um, around who is my neighbor is from Luke chapter 10. And I've been reading through Luke over the last couple of months again. And once again, just uh, Jesus is incredible. He's so, so good. He's so wise. He's so wonderful. And how he engages with people who are far from him just catches my attention, takes my breath away once again when I see how, Jesus, how do you do it? How do you do it? And, uh, and it's, uh, there's a scholar, there's a New Testament scholar has, has said about the Gospel of Luke that Jesus is either going to a meal, or he's either coming from a meal, or he's just, he's just been, he's either at a meal, he's either going to a meal, or he's just been from a meal. Just this idea of hospitality and just being with people. Just being a friend of people, just being where people are at, and uh, and that has struck me. And so, in the new year, we're gonna we're gonna ask that question: Who is my neighbour? The, the the word tells us over and over again about our loving one another. We're the body of Christ, and so we love one another. We prefer one another. But then, the words of Jesus in Matthew six and in other places: Love your enemies, bless them, pray for them. And so in one scale, we have loving one another, our neighbors. In the other scale, Jesus is completely redefining what a neighbor is and tells us that you would love your enemy, you would bless them, and you would pray for them. And so we're going to go at both ends of the spectrum, and there's nobody gets left out. Everybody is in between. And so we ask ourselves the question, who is my neighbor? Nobody gets left out. And so we're asking that question in the new year. And as Dad has mentioned, the story of the of the guy that was dropped down in the in the in the Gospels, his friends carried him the whole way because they were desperate for him to encounter Jesus. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want this whole life seminar stuff to be about. We want to accompany people personally on their way to salvation. That's what this is. It's it's a commitment to accompany. It's the commitment to accompanying people on their way to salvation, on their way to Jesus. Flick through a couple of those slides there, girls, I think of, I'm not used to doing all of this. Various kinds of evangelism have done that. The Good Samaritan, that's what we're going to look at in Luke 10 in the new year. Stay there. Luke, he came, he's come to give life. That's, that's what life, that's what the life stands for. Life fully experienced. The L-I out of life. They sort of cheated a wee bit, but we'll let them away with it. L-I-F-E. Life 
fully experienced. John chapter 10, verse 10. He's come to bring life and life abundantly, life in all of its fullness. And so I would love to say this morning is that regardless of how your week has been, regardless of the things that are going on with you, Father is not mad at you. He's not cross at you. And you know what? The, the neighbor that is, that is at home right now, hungover, I, I, the, the disposition that Jesus has towards that, that person right now is one of love. And I just don't think he's mad at them. But you know what he's mad at? He is mad, he is angry at what steals, kills, and destroys. And Jesus is not mad at you this morning. His position towards you, his position towards the world, his position towards your neighbor, his position towards your enemy is one of, is one of love. And he has come to give life. He's mad. He hates, breaks his heart to things that still, that still kill and destroy. Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 to 20. Dad's shared it already, the great commission of Jesus. Those final words that he gave to his disciples. And so making disciples is at the heartbeat of Jesus' call to his disciples. The, the call to make disciples is at the heartbeat of Jesus' call to us. And so what we're, what we're wanting you to say, the commitment that we're wanting from you is the two things that this, on the screen right now. The two things that we're wanting you to be able to say, to affirm, to be able to commit yourself to, is that I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And if you've if you've said yes to that, if you have made him saviour, if you have made him Lord, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, then the next should follow. That I want to learn to make disciples. Now the two things that we're wanting you to 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 engage with over the next number of weeks. Because if you're going to say yes to this, it fills me with confidence that we're going to have a people who are going to engage with this as we uh, enter into this in the new year that you want to be a disciple of Jesus and inevitably you want to learn to make disciples so you want to begin to use language around here that we want to create a, we want to create a healthy culture of discipleship we want disciples who make disciples that's who, we, that's who he's called us to be and we want to be really good disciples and in some ways we've tried to do that as best we can We've tried to create. I've tried to become as healthy a leader as I possibly can. I've, I've tried to look at. I've tried to look at the word and become lead a healthy family, as best as I can. To lead church as best as I possibly can. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to imitate him. I want to follow him. I want to. I want to follow his example in relationship with the Father. Father, I don't want to do anything that you're not doing. I don't want to say anything that you're not saying. I don't. Want, I can't afford to think a thought that you're not thinking. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. But I want to learn to make disciples. I want to be a disciple who makes disciples. There's this, uh, there's this seventy twenty ten thing, and, and it's, it's, I think it's mostly done in sort of leadership seminars or leadership conferences. But I think it applies into any walk of life, whether you're a student, a teacher, uh, a nurse, wherever wherever place you find yourself in. And so this seventy twenty ten thing is 
is our, is, our, is our learning, our ability to learn. And so it's said that 10% of what we learn comes from listening. So you, as a, as a disciple of Jesus, you've made that commitment, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Well, 10% of your learning comes from listening, comes from our Sunday mornings, comes from our, your seminars, your conferences, whatever you go to. 10% comes from learning. 20%, they say, comes from interacting. So that mentoring, that one-on-one, that coaching, whatever, whatever it is that you want to want to want to call that, twenty percent, ten percent listening, twenty percent from interacting, mentoring, but seventy percent, seventy percent of your learning comes from on the job, comes from doing, comes from trial and error, and uh, and I've been so afraid sometimes of the trial and error that I've, there's some things that I've missed out on learning. I've missed out on learning how to make disciples because I've been unwilling to I've been unwilling to do the trial and error. I've been unwilling to go on a job because of to, just to do because of a fear of failure or because of a fear of man. And so that's why this this thing, this becomes so important. So this this for me this this life seminar stuff becomes so important for the people that Jesus came to reach. Those that Jesus came to seek and save, those who were lost. He didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. And, uh, and he goes out of his way. So much of our so much of the percentage of what we do is geared towards the ninety-nine who are in the safety of the fold. But Jesus was Jesus left that all so they could get the one, he could reach the one, rescue the one. And um and so I just want us uh to begin to learn to to do. Next, uh, put the next one up there. Girls, thank you. Making disciples is the heartbeat of, of Jesus' ministry. The next one. Speaking of, uh, yeah, thank you. Next one. Paul and the vision of discipleship. I just, let me just stay there for a moment. Paul, I... Uh, there's, there's so many places we could go to for Paul, but uh, it's Second Timothy chapter 2, and, um, and Paul, in his final thoughts and his closing remarks to Timothy, says to him, Timothy, these are the things that you've heard from me, and I entrust them to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. See, that's, that's the vision that Paul had for discipleship, that he would, that he would create disciples who will make disciples. He will, ha- he, will, he will teach, he will bring people on a journey of imitation, imitate me, follow me, walk with me, be my friend, be my companion. And all that you've heard, all that's been taught, now you put it into practice. You put it into action. Entrust that to others and they will be uh, qualified to teach. And so what I'd love to do as well throughout this is that we get rid of the idea, this idea of professionals. We get rid of the idea of leaving it up to the professional evangelists. And I'm so grateful for evangelists, those gifted, uh, those gifted evangelists, some in this room which I continue to be inspired by. But I want to get rid of the idea of leaving it all up to them, leaving it all up to those that find it easier, those that find it comfortable. Because the truth is that most people live in the ordinary. 
and I know that there's people that's not a, a slight on your how you live your lives I know that there's some exciting stuff going on in some of your lives but in general we are most of us live ordinary most of us live ordinary lives and the truth is that most people are going to be reached by ordinary people not going to be reached by those that take the platform by those that lead the worship it's going to be reached by ordinary people and I love reading through the whole of Paul's letters because it's just struck me this week that Paul just made sure that he had people come alongside him and you'll see it over and over again Onesimus and Trophimus and Aristarchus and Gaius and John Mark and Silas and Erastus and Luke and other names that after making a hash of some of them I'm not even going to try and pronounce the others that are on this list but but it was but Paul constantly brought these people close, brought them in so that they would that they would hear, that they would be taught, that they would get that ten percent teaching, they would get the twenty percent coaching and mentoring, but really the bulk of it was going to come from them doing, from learning by doing. And so over and over we see it, that that Paul eventually releases these guys. Now now I'm sending comes the end of his letters and now I'm sending such and such. So that he can come and he can continue on what what I started, and so we uh, we're really keen to get rid of this idea of professionals. We want uh, we want everybody to be involved in this. We want you to be encouraged by the angle scale. There's no such thing as failure, and and even as Dad reminded us of that scale while I was sitting down at the back of a, a thought of those friendships that have been developing that started a couple of years ago by saying good morning at the school gate, but are now at the stage where we are engaging in conversation with what we do with our lives. And they, and they understand that friends of Caleb's and Eli's parents that just begin to understand why we do what we do. And it feels, as, as Dad shared, that in angle scale, there's a part of me uh, has at times felt the guilt of not being more bold of not being more courageous. But look at this angle scale this morning. I'm reminded, Jesus, thank you that you're allowing me to go on a journey with these people. You're allowing me to move from a place of, God, how do we even bring up the conversation of Jesus where it's just, it's taken, some of you it'll happen like that. You'll be able just to, 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 to bring it up in a matter of moments. But for me, I just loved watching people begin to engage with with all that we do and, and so I'm thankful for that angle scale this morning and I hope that you will be as well see the discipleship that we keep going there girls the discipleship that we um, want to be a part of we want to be involved in that I think we see in the life of Jesus uh, yeah, is, is this idea of becoming a, a companion this idea of just being a friend I was reading a, I was reading a book um Reading a book this week called Love Does by Bob Goff. And I have to say, I think I've said this every every book that I've read over the last number of months, but I feel like already, again, this book is probably the best book I've read all year. And, um, and he says this, he said this in one of his chapters, friendship creates a whole new economy. When people realize that there's no agenda other than friendship and better understanding, it changes things. And I think that's, again, as I use the example, just our own personal example, we've, we've had no agenda as it's came to 
friendship with, with, uh, with people at the school gates, with our neighbors. There's been no agenda. But what friendship has done is just created a whole new economy. It's, uh, people have realized, I think people are willing now to enter into the conversations because they haven't felt like we were, we were out to convert them, that we were out to do anything other than be friends, other than understand where they're at, understand what's going on with their lives, and that's, uh, that just has really helped to change things. And so that's what we want to encourage you to do, and we will talk more about that, some more teaching and some more help for us around that area in the new year. Um, just how to, some, some people don't need, they don't need to know how to be a good friend, but some of us will maybe need some helpers, pointers in, uh, in that area. Next thing, this is drawn to a close, all, most of what I want to say today. Um, on the 10th of January, just to start to give some dates, I suppose, on the 10th of January, on our Wednesday nights, we're going to give our attention to this, to the fishing net prayer. And, um, and so this will be, I think this will be really important. That's another one of the reasons why we wanted to begin to begin begin to talk about this before Christmas. Because as now as we get into the season where so many of you will be spending time with, with family that you maybe haven't seen in a while, um, spend some time with friends that that just with the the pace of life that you don't get to see as as often as you would like. And so when it comes to this the fishernet prayer where we're gonna be asking you on the tenth of January that you begin to begin to pray. You begin to go into a, a, into a bit of a season of just seeking the Lord for who it is that you're going to invite. And I believe that he will begin to, to lead you across people who are ripe. That's what we're after. Not that, we, not that we can't go after the really hard fruit that just won't budge or won't move. But I believe as we get into this season of prayer around this idea of casting the net, that, uh, that he's going to reveal, he's going to bring across people, he's going to stir your heart in this Christmas season, in this time for friends and family and holidays, he's going to bring people that, that in a moment you'll realize they're ripe for picking. They're ripe for the harvest. And so on the 10th of January, we're going to do some stuff around the fishing net prayer, but just to say, even now, just begin to seek the Lord. Begin to ask him, begin to see who those th- three people that you would invite to be a part of these five nights these five seminars because that's what it's all making its way to it's all making its way to these uh, five nights where we get together and um, and just share some stuff share some things around the questions that people are asking in in our families in our communities in our world so uh, the girls you just flick through those titles are First seminar title on the 28th of February is going to be How Can We Be Happy? The second one, Why Does God Allow This? Questions around suffering. Third seminar is going to be What Is the Meaning of Life? The fourth seminar is going to be Discovering the Gift of God. And the fifth Wednesday night is going to be Life in new dimensions.
which they're going to run from the starting on the Wednesday, the 28th of February. And those five Wednesdays will take us right up to the, to the Easter week, to the 28th of March. And so that's, that is it. That is, uh, we're, we're believing that this is going to be something that's going to bless your family, your communities, and our, and our world. The, the sphere of influence that we find ourselves in. I truly believe that. But even more so than that, I've been caught by this as I've looked at this the last number of months. It's going to be really good for you. It's going to increase an inconf- a confidence in you when it comes to evangelism. It's going to increase, increase a confidence in you when it comes to discipleship. We could do with some of that. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we could do with some confidence. And this is going to encourage us, embolden us, and uh, and I truly believe that. I wouldn't I wouldn't ask you, I wouldn't call you to invest your energy in this. I wouldn't call you to invest your prayer, your your Wednesday nights in this. If we didn't think it was going to do something in you and through you, if we didn't think it was going to bless the kingdom, if it wasn't going to advance the kingdom, and so we're. We're asking that even right now you begin to pray. Right now you begin to to wrestle through your 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 level of commitment to this. We're going to make we're going to make those questions uh, a part of our Sunday mornings. We're going to make our Wednesday evenings around the the, the the training and the teaching, and then we're going to talk some more about what those Wednesday nights will look like. The idea is that. Those that that will say yes to your invitation, you've prayed for them. There've been the three people that have caught your heart, and you've and you've continued to cast the net over and over in prayer. And then you ask, at the end, you'll ask, "Will you come for five nights with me? I'm going to go with you. I'm going to accompany you the whole way. I'm going to sit by your side, and and journey with you in this." And your commitment then will be to be part of those five Wednesdays where we'll, where we'll engage with this. We're going to ask some people to, to prepare a testimony. All of that's going to be part of the preparation. Begin to, to prepare a testimony, your own personal testimony in three minutes. That will um, just help with engagement levels on those nights, those Wednesday nights. And uh, so there's, there's, there's loads more stuff that we will fill in as the time goes on, but we want to make sure that we... Uh, we make a point of it before the busy Christmas season. We want to give our energies to this. We want to give our time to it. We want this season from January to Easter to be a time where we can uh, get to that Easter week and celebrate people who have experienced new life, resurrection, life that's only found in Jesus. And um, So that's what we're going to do. David's going to come and do a, a last song. Uh, and then Neville is going to... Uh,